welcome to the podcast. We've got fresh content from some of the brightest minds in the Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto space. With feeds on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram that make it so incredibly easy to keep to the pulse of what's happening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and even hit the share button to send to someone you know who would love to know about this totally free podcast. Huge thanks to our main sponsor, UnoCoin, who are not only India's leading crypto assets blockchain company, but also the reason why this podcast is available to you completely free of charge. With that said, let's jump into one of the Blockchain Impact Conference talks that took place in Toronto, Canada on December 8th, 2017. Enjoy. Thanks, folks. Um, glad you could all be here this afternoon. So, you know, as Sunny mentioned, uh, you know, we come from a long history of folks that have been in the payment space. The founder of Veeam and myself, as Sunny mentioned, we had uh, founded another e-commerce company years ago in Ottawa, actually, where I actually live. And we, in, in that, we were doing consumer-to-business payments. And we sold that company to Western Union so that they could accept bank transfer payments to front-end their online payment systems. So now we were thrust into doing global person-to-person -person payments. At that point in time, when we were leaving Western Union, was around the time that Bitcoin was emerging as a technology that could be leveraged. And we saw that there was a large gap in the industry. And that gap was the ability to send small business, business-to-business -business payments cross-border. It wasn't a problem that was easily being solved, definitely not by banking institutions or by any of the other front-runner emerging payment companies. And so Veeam was formed. We are a San Francisco-based company, but we do have operations also in Canada out of Ottawa. The folks that are on the team are largely folks that come from the payment space, Western Union, PayPal, into it. And they came to Veeam because they saw that there was a problem that could not be solved and it wasn't being solved by the companies that they were currently working with. So we've actually been moving money over the blockchain for business purposes since 2014. And in 2014, there wasn't a whole lot of real live applications riding on the blockchain, to be honest. So we've had a great deal of experience there. The experience that is both good and bad, because the reality is the blockchain is not mature enough and does not have enough depth to solve all of the problems yet. But we have worked with exchange partners and folks in the blockchain industry to bring it along so that it is a technology that can be used to solve real life problems. So what was the problem that we were trying to solve? A lot of the folks in the audience have probably done wire transfers for personal reasons, if not for business reasons. And when you're moving money cross-border as individuals, maybe you've gone and used PayPal, maybe you've gone and used Western Union, but chances are you've likely used wire. And when you use wire to move money, the second thing you do after you send that wire at your bank is you call 
or you email or you chat with the person who's the receiver and you say, Mom, I just sent you money. Let me know when you get it. Let me know how much money you get. And in a few days, maybe you hear from them and they say, yes, I did get the money. It's not what you were supposed to send me, by the way. But they have to let you know that they've received the funds. So when you start thinking about small business experience and what they go through when they are trying to get timely money from point A to point B and they owe an exact amount, the network that the funds have to that the funds have to transfer to. They are going from the initiator's bank to the receiver's bank and a whole lot of banks in between. And the banks in between are the intermediary banks. And the intermediary banks is an old antiquated system. And the problem with that system is there isn't any communication with the end users when the funds are traveling through that system. And the problem is the guy in the middle wants to get paid too. So he may take a little bit of the money out of those funds at the same time. So when you think about the wire network, it was right for the fixing. So that's what Veeam set off to do. It's funny, with one of our Brazilian customers, see the problem with payments is they're all going to different countries. And every country has their own set of regulations. Right? The government's regulated, the banks regulated, payment service providers add on a layer of regulations. So if anyone's ever tried to send money into Brazil, to China, into India, these are regulated areas. They want to know what's it for, do you have all the documentation? And the problem is that network that I showed you before isn't always so good at communicating all of the information along the way for both the senders and the receivers and the banks to totally understand what the transactions are for. And so when the money's lost to Brazil, it's lost for a good long while and it's lost either at the intermediary bank or the receiving bank. And sometimes it's easier to just take the money there yourself. So just to understand, our, the, the, where we were trying to focus, we are not doing person-to-person -person payments. Our focus isn't really even acting like a remittance company. But it's trying to connect the dots of these two small businesses, which really is a very large marketplace. And it's an underserved marketplace because the banks are still looking at small businesses and trying to offer them sort of the same set of products that they've geared for personal use at the retail level. And they view small businesses a little bit too expensive to service with the products and services that they provide to large businesses because of the extra KYC and AML and training and tool set. So they're largely ignored by both the banking institutions and sometimes by the new entrant service providers. So when Veeam set out, the objective was to make payments for small businesses as easy as ordering coffee. The small businesses need to focus 
on their businesses. They don't have a lot of extra time to learn about payment options, think about where my money is, handle all the exceptions that go on with their payments. So when you think about what Veeam was doing, we were creating a payment network that would become a different type of experience for them. How many folks here are familiar with Venmo? Very popular service in the US. And when you think about Venmo, this is largely what Veeam has done for small businesses. We now have a payment network, a payment network that allows the sender and the receiver to know what's going on with their money. And we do that by replacing the correspondent banking network. And we do that with multi-rail technology. And the multi-rail technology will allow me to settle funds to the receivers in a variety of ways, including over the blockchain in the networks and areas where blockchain makes more sense. But we wanted to create a completely different type of experience for those users. Because for those of you who have done cross-border payments, you know what it's like. You need to know their name, the exact name, the exact spelling of their name. Tricky in businesses, sometimes that business name isn't the same name on the bank account or it's not their registered business name. You have to know their address. Address seems simple enough. Then you need to know all of their bank account information. Starts to get a little bit more complex. You've got to get it right. It's quite essential in making the money hit the right destination. So first thing we wanted to do was give that originator the option of Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. But if you're doing business with them, you know their name, you know their email, you know their phone number, I'm not gonna ask you anymore. So to send that payment, that's all you need is the base information. If you know more, and if you want to add more information, you can. But now sending that payment for the originator is down to a very simple user experience for them. And now what that user is able to do is they're able to track their payment. Because the receiver is going to get an email that says, hey, you're getting a payment from the shoe store in the US. This is to the shoe supplier in Italy. And the supplier in, in, in Italy knows that funds are being originated to them. They can now click. If their information isn't complete, they can start providing their information. But from the moment that that transaction has now started, there is a transaction in the system that everybody has visibility into, which means they have the tools to know where it is, like the FedEx of a payment. They have the ability to track it, to reconcile it, Small businesses, when you're on that receiving side and you get that payment that hits the bank and it's not the name you expected for, it's not the amount that you expect, and there's no real information of value traveling along with that transaction, it's really difficult for that receiver to be able to reconcile it quickly to the expected, back to the invoice and the expected amount. Veeam is solving this for them. 
And then, you know, you want to make it easy to use and integrate with all the accounting packages that these small businesses are commonly using. So, in doing this, what you're doing in, in terms of leveraging blockchain and cutting out the intermediary banks is you've taken out the mystery, it's transparent to the users. You are quoting to the initiator, here's the amount of funds that you need to provide. You're quoting to the receivers, here's the amount of money that you are going to receive. There's no more intermediary fees that are now being pulled out of those transactions. So it's really easy for these users to adopt it. Um, you know, we've been around since 2014, so we're actually servicing a large volume of customers at this point in time. And what's interesting, different from the typical remittance product and the typical banking platform, is because it's now a payment network, we see that the suppliers and the vendors that are on our platform start to value the network. They know that the people that they're sending funds to have been vetted by Beam, so they start to feel more comfortable doing business with them. And then the people who are receiving funds say, well, this was a good experience. I'm going to start using the Beam platform, not to send money, but to invoice more parties or to continue to send. So this is very different from the banking experience that customers have today because they're not just looking at one side of the transaction. It's data rich and there's more that they can do with the platform. And as I mentioned earlier, it's integrated into the, the traditional software applications that the small businesses are used to using. So we're servicing 60 countries. And I don't mention the 60 countries because, you know, it's fun to do 60 countries. The reality is, why do you need multi-rail technology rather than just saying, I'm going to service and use blockchain? So when, you know, when we, we were first starting out, you know, you will hear over and over again when people are moving money, whether it's for consumer remittance or business remittance, very popular corridors, we're moving money to Philippines, right? Why are they moving money to Philippines over blockchain? Typically, lower value transactions, so there's a good chance that there's enough liquidity to handle those transactions. Um, plus, there are typically more mature suppliers or exchanges on the other side to handle the transactions, right? The problem with blockchain, and you know, as, as an individual who's a big user of the blockchain, is it doesn't fit all corridors. So where a few months ago I could have leveraged blockchain to move money into China, I can't use it today to move the money into China. It doesn't work well for me to um, move money into some of the other, despite some of the efforts being made to move it into Argentina, if I wanted to move it into that country, for example. But it does work well in some of the emerging marketplaces where you're sort of dealing with low value transactions. But to service 60 countries, you can't rely on one rail uh, to provide the proper level of service for those small businesses. 
Um, the other thing we've done is to make all of this available via an API. When it's available via an API that people can both initiate payments and receive their payment notifications and updates, it allows not only those small businesses to use the platform, but other platform providers to start building applications on top of the Veeam platform as well. So when I look at leveraging the blockchain, the first thing I like folks to understand is Number one, Veeam does not accept Bitcoin. Veeam does not pay out Bitcoin. We're using cryptocurrency in the middle of the transaction as the intermediary bank replacement. So we receive local fiat from a local bank, convert it into BTC, move it across to the receiving country, convert it back, into local pesos and pay it out. So when people talk about uh, anonymous payments, I mean, in reality, we're building one of the least anonymous payments networks, right? We're going from a bank to a bank where there's been AML and KYC done on the initiator, AML and KYC done on the receiver. We provide another layer of AML and KYC. So this is a very, in fact, closed secure network for moving the funds from one country to another. The other thing we do is we're not long on Bitcoin. We're not sitting here playing a hedging game, especially with the volatility of even Bitcoin in the last week or the last day. So it's really important that the providers we work with, that we are able to move money into BTC and out of BTC extremely quickly. And if that network is too volatile, then I have to choose to move it another way. So we're not long on Bitcoin and we are not sitting here really hedging any currency, whether it's cryptocurrency or local fiat. And really, Bitcoin works well in the emerging markets. <clears throat> so even to send money into Europe where there are you know, fairly well-established rails. What we see with the small businesses is the actual value of the transactions being moved in and out for trade to those countries has a much higher value. So when I'm moving money to Europe where my average transaction value is really $15,000 with my outliers being $100,000, $200,000 on a regular basis, it's much more challenging to move that over blockchain unless you are extensively working with liquidity providers. So these are things that companies really need to think about when they want to move money over blockchain. And finally, really what I'm, I'm alluding to is you know, the key challenge is the liquidity part of the game. So, um, you know, Mexico, Philippines, India, Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia. You know, these are countries that uh, sometimes it takes an extremely long time for payments over traditional rails to reach their endpoints. 
So imagine the user's surprise and delight when I have moved the money to Vietnam in 10 minutes. And they didn't have to know about blockchain. They don't even know it moved over blockchain. They don't know that it moved over cryptocurrency. This is totally hidden from those users. So when you're looking at the applications in these emerging markets, it can work extremely well. Uh, but there's limitations in the larger markets, and it doesn't serve all of the globe. Uh, so that's the, the meat around how we have come to build a multi-rail technology to be able to serve all of our customer base. So these are some of the takeaways, you know, Sunny was mentioning, you know, you, you learn about the blockchain sometimes when you're implementing it in the school of hard knocks and where it works best for you. And my word to folks is, you know, if, you're, if your key goal is revenue and growth of your company, then make sure you have some backup plans. Make sure that you understand what your thresholds are going to be when you're building and leveraging on another new emerging technology. And have that backup plan because your partner that's here today may not be the partner that can grow with you, and they may not be the partner that's here tomorrow. Everywhere that we have deployed blockchain, we have multiple partners in those countries that can even provide blockchain. Further, we have multiple partners that can also route funds outside of blockchain. So these are the parts that are important for companies that are really thinking about building revenue and building cash flow, relying on other people's emerging technologies. Questions? So we are actually guaranteeing funds, right? So when we're telling our senders and our receivers that this is the amount that is going to be received, it is up to Veeam to take the burden of whatever rail we are choosing, including on, on BTC. So you need to be really careful though. I mean, we're looking at, you know, how much do I need to send to get this amount of money into, you know, on the other side and, and for my payout into pesos as an example. And yes, we will take the loss on those. Totally hidden to the customers. Yes? Uh, what are your, I mean, in order to liquidate Bitcoin, aren't you paying like a premium to buy like the bid ask spread on both sides? Yeah. Is it really cheaper in the Western Union? Yeah, so the question is, um, you know, isn't it expensive for us to operate really and buy the Bitcoin? So, I mean, you can imagine that with our exchange partners, um, we've, for the volumes that Veeam moves through our exchange partners, we've negotiated very good fee structures, first of all, in terms of any of the fees for both purchasing the Bitcoin or the remittance of Bitcoin on the other side, when we're drawing out of uh, Bitcoin. So that's 
key as part of building a payment network that relies on that. So you need to, not only us, but anyone working with partners needs to negotiate the right pricing structure that allows other folks to take a piece of the pie, but still provides enough value for the customers. But when you look at a fee of Western Union, I mean, we're a fraction of the price of a Western Union, which typically drives very high pricing to the originator. Um, whereas we're driving pricing that is all built into the FX. We've quoted you an FX, it's got your pricing built in, it's extremely competitive on the FX, and now our job is to build a network that can still transfer the funds at a low cost, uh, a, a low cost that accommodates strong margins. But that's where we see most of the, uh, the, the pricing. Yeah, so our multi-rail technology, so let me explain to you some of the other rails we use. In Europe, I have bank accounts. In the US, I have bank accounts. So I'm not moving it over any intermediary bank at that point. It's a treasury function. I take money into the US, I pay it out of my European bank account. I take money in from Europe, I pay it out of my US bank account. Once in a while, I've got to rebalance those accounts in a bulk movement of funds, depending, typically, Europe, the uh, US is moving money to to Europe. So that's, that's one example of multi-rail. Uh, in others, I may leverage other payment service providers who specialize in, you know, uh, Latin America or in Asia, particularly in China. And you leverage these partners because one, you have to have multi-rail because otherwise I can't get access to some of those. And two, because sometimes they're providing me a better pricing option. It's easy for me to send $3,000 to Brazil, a little bit harder for me to send $60,000 to Brazil over crypto. So folks that are even you know, familiar with the telephone industry, there's the concept of least cost routing, right? So our engine has to go and say, great, at this point in time, what is the most efficient way to route these funds over which of the rails that's available? And we have to always have at least primary, secondary rails available. It looks at the cost and decides which of those rails is most efficient to move the funds over. Best for the customer and not leaving Veeam in a lost position, of course. So the main advantage is just having the option and reducing the cost by having more knowledge. Reducing our cost, more breadth of the network, and redundancy of the network. Yeah. Other questions? Yes. How do you deal or what, what are your sort of precautions against hacking? Uh, so on the hacking side, I mean, we, we have two sides of it. One, the originator side, and two, the receiver side. And to be honest, most of that is just, um, you know, typical pieces that'll be in place for portal access, right? Um, but, but more importantly than just the access to it is our platform cannot stop with just 
a front-end or back-end AML and KYC policies, you have to have ongoing flow and transaction monitoring. So, you know, in the event that there are uh, is a service breach, the point is you're able to quickly see and identify any money movement that's out or any uh, access movement or portal activity that's outside of what is expected in those patterns. And that's part of, you know, coming from years of doing payments, you start to understand that it really isn't just denying the access at the front door, but being able to identify those intrusions once they've occurred and shutting them down quickly. And there was one more question. I think we're running tight on time. Yes? Uh, if you don't take any Bitcoin, it sounds like you're pretty much long money and short Bitcoin. Shorter. So you're, like you're betting on money. We we are doing actually a, a traditional fiat FX business. Okay. Right? Yeah. We're you know we're we don't position ourselves as a you know FX provider. If if you're a large company and just looking for the best FX deals you will traditionally go to one of the FX houses. Uh, but at that point, we, as part of our service, we are providing the FX for the individuals as well as the delivery and transparency and the tracking for the payments. Perfect, I think we're out of time, folks. It was a pleasure to speak with you this afternoon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend you think would appreciate the send. Up next, more talks from past conferences. Thanks for listening.